millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Thanks very much uh, for listening today. We had a chat with Paul Jiggins from The Sun. Yes, very... We reflected, didn't we, on the FA, FA Cup, Cup weekend. Yes. So we'll give you a flavour of that conversation. Uh, we also um, spoke to Adrian Clifton, who had a lovely magic of the FA Cup tale of redemption involving a former uh, TalkSport presenter. Um, he plays for Boreham Wood. Um, we also spoke to our man in Turkey, John McManus, because Hull City are about to be taken over, it seems, by the Simon Cowell of Turkey. So <laughs> he really is. We found out a little bit more about him. And we had a conversation. Andy and I launched a new business venture that we hope to take <laughs> into the den. It's re- the return of an old sartorial favourite, and you'll all be ordering them on the TalkSport <laughs> website. Mark my words. Here it all is. <laughs> Seven minutes past one. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, everybody. Do you see uh, uh, Ted Lasso actor Jason Sudeikis yeah. was at Boreham Wood? Mm. Uh, Moose was there as well. He must have collared him for a photo. We'll find out on his next birthday. Yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> Jason Sudeikis' his next birthday. <laughs> we will be talking a bit of Boreham Wood later on. Now, uh, mm. Andy, I left yes. you uh, on Friday oh, yeah. saying I was going to the game and for the first time officially in 30 years, I was going to stand at White Hart Lane. I bought tickets in the south stand, the kind of big walled stand. Yeah. And there's um, a standing area at the front, which was very well populated. And I think a lot of people have bought season tickets there knowing that I'd rather be in the front like than up the, up the back. A bit of a a, I showed you the pictures. Yeah, a fantastic it's a great view. It is a fantastic view. Vertigo. The problem is that I don't think the word has quite got out there yet that, that safe standing is, is back at football because I bought the tickets to stand, myself and my youngest son. Yeah, yeah. And we arrived there, and the, the big bar was in front of us. There's no way to lock the seats. So I always thought in safe standing areas they were lockable seats. Mm. But th- these aren't. They're just the regular seats, which obviously allows them to be used as seats for other games, etc. But that does mean that there was a little bit of confusion over people who bought their tickets, not knowing it was uh, a standing area. So um, we get there, right behind us, a lovely fella and his old dad. His dad's got to be in his mid-80s, right? And he'd he'd have to walk all the way up to the back of that stand, and he was puffing by the time he got there. And I thought he was going to keel over. So he sat down behind us, and the old old boy was puffing, and his son was, were you all right, Dad? And um, I think he then spotted the bars, and we were standing up at the time, just having a chat, you know, before the game. Hmm. And the guy said, "Uh, are you thinking of standing up, lads? (laughs) And I looked at the old boy, and then I looked behind him, and it was a guy... And his little boy, who's only, you know, he's about six or seven, he bought seats in the standing area again, not knowing it was a standing area. Yes. There, were, there was a little asterisk on the tickets mm. saying, uh, you know, please note you are buying tickets for a safe standing area. But the problem they've got, Tottenham, is that they've not changed the tickets. So when you bought the tickets, it actually says on the ticket, persistent standing is not allowed. <laughs> and somebody said to me... <laughs> Um, somebody was about to stand up and the yeah. person said, oh, you can't stand up, mate. He said, well, you can. This is a standing area. And they said, yeah. no, it says on the ticket, persistent standing is not allowed. So it looked... I know the problem. reason why, though. Why is that? Undumbele was helping out in the club ticket office. <laughs> I think he probably was. So, look, I'm sure it'll yeah. sort itself out. But it was that moment when you've bought standing tickets and the person behind you says, you're not thinking of standing up, <laughs> no, are you? It's, it's a bit like that thing saying, you're, not, you're going to eat that, mate. 
So I'm quite interested in those kind of questions to which I think the person probably asking the question knew the answer. But we couldn't do it, the old boy. He's a lovely old... Well, we said, no, mate, we're fine, we'll sit down. It's so you sat in the end? Well, yeah, because we didn't... How can you stand up in front of a six-year-old kid and an old boy who's, you know... It, it really the take... way the game went, you'd have been sitting down after Yeah, well, of course. No, I was sat there with my head in my hands. So, so many of them stunk the place out. And on them, Belly, it was... Won. I mean... Talking about where he's going to go and, and if you can get rid of him, but I mean, he's got the Middle East within two years written all over him. He's going to be at Al Sad or Al Akhli or somewhere like that. He'll be, he'll be in Riyadh or he'll be in Dubai Riyadh. or he'll be in, yeah. he'll be somewhere like that, you know, because that's his mark, unfortunately. That was poor what he did yesterday. Yeah. Poor, I mean, you yeah. know, have a bit of urgency about, you know, read the room for goodness sake, especially when the manager has said a week before mm. he has to learn to be a team player and he wanders off like, I mean, one of the funniest things we've had recently is where I sit, where I normally sit, um, is up by the corner flag quite high up and they the players warm up in front of us down the bottom and we've been having some fun because they, they all come out and they're quite quite vigorous warm-ups you yeah, know yeah. as the players go up there and salute the crowd apart from good old Tongi who <laughs> but I mean you know we'll sort of wander over there and he'll do a couple of minor stretches and we're all standing saying oh look he's doing a Joe Wicks when he bends down to scratch his leg he's, he's gone he's gone he's into a hit session so we've, we've been giving him some clog but I think yesterday did feel quite terminal really that's it was, it. Uh, Surely it was pretty it. appalling um, and anyway. Arsenal weren't great either and well. uh, once again it was a great joy the disintegrating optimism of Matt Scott on Twitter <laughs> <laughs> always starts off so positive and by the end of the game it was an appalling performance it was a strange performance from Arsenal we talked to uh, Paul Chiggins about that yeah we're going to have a good look back on the third round because overall it was very exciting with some brilliant yeah, the stories yeah. that you always get we'll be covering one of those stories Adrian Clifton from Boreham Wood joins us uh, a little bit later. I enjoyed just, the draw as well. I yeah. Know. Leah Williamson was with a trendy oversized jacket. It looked like she borrowed it from David Jones. Yeah. <laughs> and she was really worried about whether all the balls had left the bag. Do you notice she kept sort of touching it and sort well, of making be, sure? Because I mean, well, it's yeah. why we've done a and draw. And David forgot to draw two of the balls out. So there you go. It was a bit of a We've mess, done a draw. And we, it is quite oh, yeah, nerve-wracking, nerve isn't it? We did, the, it we, did the, uh, we did the snooker, didn't we, for yeah. Barry one day. He brought, yeah. They, they, the World Snooker Championship. Yeah, we did the World Snooker Championship. It was... You really do feel the, the the responsibility of it. So I can understand anybody's ever done one of those, making sure it's belt and braces. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs here on Talksport with Green King. We're going to reflect on an eventful third round weekend now at the Sun's very own Paul Jiggins, who's joined us in the studio. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon. Yeah, I mean, it feels... I mean, Andy and I both said the same thing. I don't know if this is the general feeling. I mean, I, I suppose if your team got beaten, you won't feel like this. But it did feel like a good third-round weekend, the best for some time. Lots of great goals, lots of great games, lots of eventful matches. It, it, it felt like a good one, Paul. And lots of great stories to come out yeah. of them as well, you know, that in like sort of almost in the old tradition to the FA Cup. And more importantly, just a great weekend of football in this country. I think with no COVID postponements, mm. uh, finally got a full fixture list sort of done and you know out, out of the way and it, you know the teams lived up to it as well I thought even I know, you know teams may change etc but I thought most Premier League teams went into it with the right spirit though you know they didn't treat it like sometimes they treat the Carabao Cup I just like to think there should have been one alteration and that should have been first goal wins yeah. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, team, obviously not for you but your yeah. team Millwall <laughs> the first goal wins that'll yeah. be yeah they can get off the pitch earlier then. Uh, crowds as well good crowds uh, was there 54 at uh, West Ham 52 at Newcastle 40 at Spurs I mean you 40 know 40 at Chelsea yeah 40 and at Chelsea big travelling support yeah. as well and, and mm. you know was it Cambridge um, took 5,000 up to Newcastle we saw yeah. Shrewsbury 6,000 at Anfield um, and even sort of below that, you know, we look had two and a half, three thousand more can fans at yeah, Reading took like a, a, mm. um, sold their allocation, I think, for Kidderminster. You know, so you know, it's still a weekend. Oh yeah, I know it's much maligned the FA Cup, and it's gone down over the years. I've been seen to go down in priorities behind the Champions League and the Premier League, etc. But it shows it's still a weekend that ignites the true football fan and gets them excited. And I think you know, long may that continue. Definitely, six thousand uh, Chesterfield fans at Chelsea. Really annoying, but what can you do? Well, <laughs> you got to cut. There was such a wind up. They were goading, and they were, and then when they scored, and then that bloke says, "Oh, you're oh, not going to begrudge them scoring, said, are he you?" Said, I scored against the 
European Champions at Stamford Bridge. Chesterfield. Oh, I think Chesterfield. Right. Well, back them, four, we had one player who was injured, one was a, a centre-half who hardly ever plays, and the other two were midfielders who never played, but never mind. Your colleague Dave Kidd oh, picked up... third keeper. Well, yeah, oh, God, you can't. Your colleague Dave I don't Kidd like to concede. I like to keep a clean sheet. Picked up on something today. Some you're annoyed because you can't ever go out the ashes, aren't you? You have to come out somewhere. <laughs> when we equalised against Morecambe yesterday, some of our mob started singing to their fans, you're not singing anymore. I thought, oh, no, come on, grow up. You can't equalise against Morecambe and start having a pop at their fans for That's that. That's brilliant though, isn't it? And it just shows how much it means as well. Yes. Uh, obviously, I wasn't going to saw the highlights and stuff. Mm. And, you know, it, it was getting worrying a bit near the end, wasn't it? You had to send on the cavalry. Oh, um, yeah, no, absolutely. And, then, they did. Yeah, and also yeah. the way that I think that when Mora scored and it then became clear that, you know, don't get me wrong, Tottenham had sort of the overwhelming number of chances and full value for the victory. But, you know, as we know with all good cup shocks, that doesn't mean a thing that the stats, it's normally no. that the Premier League team right. or the higher place team has all the possession, all the shots, like we saw at Newcastle yeah. with uh, Cambridge's keeper, Mitov. The keeper has to have a weldy. And when you all those ingredients get put into place, that's when you get the cup shocks. But the way the Spurs fans celebrated more of his goal that put you in front, yeah. I thought just showed like you could sense the relief and you could, no, absolutely. You know, and they yeah. celebrated like they yeah, meant it. it. It wasn't sort of a condescending celebration as sometimes you get. When a, a team puts one in against a lower league club, no. it was like, well, we've, you know, thank goodness. It's good we've, to see Timo Werner operating at national league level. <laughs> I think he struggled, honestly. <laughs> His skills. So, I mean, it, it, they kind of seem to fall into different groups, the teams in the in the FA Cup, some of the bigger sides in the FA Cup. Um, and there's always those sides, like, you know, like Burnley and Leeds. There's some about Leeds yeah. today, beaten up uh, relatively comfortably at West Ham. I wonder if the fans are going to cut some slack to those teams that they would like to see go further into competition simply because of what is going on with COVID and injuries, etc., etc. Well, I think COVID's given every club and every manager and every player an excuse. And I think a lot of players now and a lot of clubs, I think like Simon Jordan predicted before this happened in the Premier League, are taking that excuse and making the most of it. Um, you can't blame them because they're seeing their competitors have games called off, you know, and they're thinking, well, why are we sort of slugging our guts out, trying to play and put a team out every week when other clubs are getting games called off? And now, since the Premier League introduced the word, you know, cannot fill the team due to COVID and injuries, I think that's where it's. I think the, the, the waters are muddied. I think. Well, also African African Cup of Nations means teams have got players abroad as well, which has stretched it even further, hasn't it? But then they've got massive squads now and, you know, and I know they've been hit, but I think, you know, it's too late to do it this season. But I think going forward, you know, I don't think it should be made so easy for teams in the Premier League to call off games. I mean, if you look down lower in the lower in uh, EFL and stuff, clubs are putting out players like my own one with 15-year-old kids in. Mm. And I know it's, it's sort of different scenarios, but the EFL clubs cannot afford to do what the, some Premier League clubs want to do, which is was to have a circuit break, a couple of weeks off, because you know there are real genuine fears in the AFL now that if we go into another lockdown, if we do behind closed doors or stop the league for a couple of weeks to get things right, some yeah. clubs may not come out of it this time. You know, the, the last time was sort of hairy enough, I think, for a lot of AFL clubs. So I think in some ways the Premier League have got to lead the way, like they did in, in the first lockdown when they hauled the country back to, you know, to uh, a version of normality. They got us through lockdown, you know, by playing the games. The players were magnificent with their gestures, with the food banks and with the wages and stuff. I think they've got to get back to showing that spirit and and then come back. And maybe after the way the government treated them and, and the way they took so much stick from certain areas uh, and other uh, um, formidable authority, maybe they thought, well, this time, why should we bother again? Because it didn't do us any favours last time. I don't mm. know. It's true. Um, Kidderminster, that was great. Uh, it's a bit of talk sport connection. Uh, Russ Hargreaves was there with his dad. Yes, oh, yeah, he's a fan, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. That, was a, that was a fantastic story. We're going to talk Borenwood a little bit later on. That was great. But Kidderminster and Cambridge was a great story, wasn't it? The thing, I mean, look, obviously Cambridge was impressive, but the thing what maybe sort of from a performance point of view mm. for Kidderminster, not only being the lowest placed club in, in the tournament to go through, but also the fact they came from behind as well. Um, I'm still not sure about the winning goal, whether that weren't a foul on on the goalkeeper there. You know, just a bit of a bundle in, but yeah. it was, you know, it was, you, oh, you wouldn't be grudging them, their moment. Nice. I uh, I always the thing I like about third round match of the day is the great opportunities for the commentators that you never yeah. normally have. BBC radio tees, and they're always so much more biased than the. Oh yeah, yeah, I noticed. I watched, I watched the highlights <laughs> yesterday. Luton Harrogate. It's good to see Mick Harford back. Our old. Bumbry I was going to say that, that one of the, the, the stories yeah. that went under the radar and one of the real yeah. feel good stories was Mick Harford you know, first game back on the touchline. Um, you know, sure Harrogate. You know, 
would like to have seen a fairy tale and had a, another cup, uh, cup shock, but I don't think they would have begrudged McArthur that or Luton that. And the and it was our Harrogate um, Harrogate commentators. I take it was their local radio, mm. and he was just saying everything Luton have hit has gone in every time. <laughs> yeah. Every time they've hit the boy, it, it was great. It was the, I, I do love a good bias commentary. Oh, I think we need I a think bit more essential, of that. I think, yeah, yeah, I think you know. I think it should be. I think we, we should be allowed more. I can't speak. M- maybe that should, that, maybe that should be the red it's button. Only the new gone and done it. The bloke from Hartlepool. Yeah, brilliant. That should be the new red button feature. Yeah, you can either have your club's commentary or someone else's. That's right. We should have a nice bias commentary from now and the bias commentary button Paul that's a very good idea we'll put it to them so anyway we're chatting to Paul Jiggins we're looking back on uh, some Liverpool of the third get that every stories. week I won't worry about <laughs> yeah. it <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast Paul Hawksby and Jacobs here on TalkSport the Suns Paul Jiggins with us in the studio we're reflecting uh, on the third round and uh, the sort of general consensus is it was uh, an eventful, successful third round from the FA's point of view, and th- there is that kind of there's those teams that maybe would have liked to have turned things around in the cup to have had a bit of a run. We saw how important that Andros Townsend goal was for Everton. Uh, the kind of pretty toxic mm. from an Everton point of view for Rafa Benitez, but they they somehow they they dug the win out, which was important for them against Hull. And I mean teams like Burnley who could have done with a win, um, and uh, and others. I mean obviously Arsenal has been been the big talk point with uh, Mikel Arteta apologising for the application of the well, team. They didn't have a single shot on target, did we they? Are. And that's, you know, from their point of view, that's got to be so disappointing. Sort of going there, um, look, you know, shots can happen, etc. But Arsenal should be beating Nottingham Forest. Although saying that, Steve Cooper again showed what a yeah. really good coach he what is. A job he's done. Yeah. Set, um, you know, he's slowly sort of beginning to turn things around at Forest. I thought the way they ended the game, you know, having sort of stifled Arsenal, and you know. You know, almost invited Arsenal onto them, but then whether that it wasn't even a storm because they set up so well that Arsenal could hardly get through them. And uh, as the set showed, with, with no shots on target, and then you know, uh, Jed Spence, I thought, uh, yeah, played I mean, really well. And Johnson, you know, the ability, they kept Martinelli and, and the and confidence they had to run at Forest as well and mm. go at them. I mean, uh, uh, the, the Arsenal keeper pulled off a great save, um, just shortly before Grabham sort of scored his goal and scored the winner. and yeah, again, you'd say that no, it was a perfect sort of cut performance from Nottingham Forest. Um, Arsenal, again, it's just, it, once you know, one step forward, two steps back. Even though you know, undoubtedly, Arteta's sort of. Yeah. I mean, it was well. a very different squad, wasn't it? They were a very yeah. different team from the one he would normally put out. In it the was, league. but it still should have been good enough. Yeah. To have you know, overturned Forest, I think give them a better game than they did. West Ham will be uh, a danger in the cap to anybody, won't yeah. they, I think. And uh, a bit, I think a bit fortunate. Boehm was offside. I don't understand what the VAR was looking at. Mm. He was offside, wasn't he? Yeah, he looked it, didn't he? And then I didn't even know sort of certain games of the game VAR and then certain ones there aren't. I just think that sometimes you need to do what they do in the Carabao Cup, and you either you either have it or you don't. I think if you're going to make the competition fair. It doesn't start for VAR in the preliminary round. And that's been the great thing about the FA Cup. It's Absolutely. never going to happen, but it means that the teams who go in that preliminary round go in it on the same footing and with the same chance of winning it, if you like, as those above them. And I don't think having VAR at certain games... And no, it's not right. We it it that. doesn't do that any justice at all. And you start to look at some of those teams that can have a little bit of a cup run. Um, and Wolves, you might include in that. Oh, I mean, Brighton. They, they, yeah, Brighton. I don't know where they got. <laughs> well, thanks, cheers, Andy. They got Tottenham next at our place, but they yeah, oh, that yeah, was a good true. that was a good win for them. Palace, uh, they're at home at Hartlepool. You mentioned West Ham. They've got Kidderminster, which you know you're going to fancy them in. You know, if you look through that draw, yeah. and then you look at it, it's going to be <clears> mainly a Premier League. You, know, you can't see many shocks happening in the next round. Mm. And you know, I think Cambridge yeah. you got Luton, so you, you you got the team there from out the top flight that's guaranteed to get yeah. through. What um, may start to skew this, Paul, is what happens uh, around the virus and uh, how many players are quite. missing. So you look at a game it like South, ease, Southampton though, if versus If it goes Cough. the way society's going, it should be better yes. by February. It should be. There are certain games you look at that Southampton versus Coventry, for whatever reason, Hoot, you know, Coventry going pretty well. Hoot can't put out a strong side. That doesn't look quite as clear-cut. Some of these... I mean, Chelsea-Plymouth, you would think... Should be quite clear cut from a Chelsea point of view. Plymouth all the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, you never know, do you? But there are certain games. They'll be coming in and going to Plymouth next month. Yeah. Oh, well, fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, Forest. We should know. You, you say you were talking up the job that Forest did. Leicester, that's it. You know what? Leicester, great local derby yeah, as well. And yeah. that is, you know, I don't mean to go back on what I just said, but that is one where it could be a shot. We've just seen Leicester you know, need to call off their game 
against Everton this week because they haven't mm. got enough players and they've been hit by the COVID uh, uh, crisis and stuff. So that might be one where their players are just yeah. coming back and they've got a lot of injuries anyway. That might be one where Forrest could really take advantage of that. If they play and put the same application and the same sort of tactical now they displayed yesterday, mm. then you, you'd rate their chances quite highly, wouldn't you, against a lesser side that hasn't been sort of pulling up trees and that's been affected by events. The elephant in the room, of course, is Manchester City, who, if they decide to take mm. it seriously, which oh, they yeah. always do, um, are going to be... And they've played Fulham in the next round. They're at home to Fulham again, which is a game you'd expect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a nice <laughs> yeah, trip, nice trip for the Fulham fans. it be a good, uh, good atmosphere. <clears throat> I think they're a good game. So. You yeah, they're looking, and they've but, also got their priorities. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. So you know, I don't think Fulham will be sort of too unhappy about yeah. that, if you like. Um, but I right. fancy Wolves for the last four. I've just got a bit of a feeling Maybe. they can have a run. Yeah. Um, they got Norwich uh, at home. A game, you know, you would probably again. They've got bigger fish to fry, haven't they? Dings yeah. has got more issues than the than the FA Cup. So I think Wolves will have enough. To and they're do very that, efficient, aren't they? I mean, they yeah. don't sort of score many, if you like, <clears> but they don't let in hardly any at yeah. all. Their defensive record is excellent. Ooh, they're great to watch. <laughs> there is that. There is that story about uh, Triore, of course, Adama Triore for Tottenham, and they are just you know, you when you're linked with a player, you start to watch a bit more closely. I was watching the highlights and he had a chance where he again he, he he absolutely left everybody for dead charged through got on his right foot and then lost his balance and <coughs> shanked it into the crowd and fault, yeah, he's, he's, gone, he's gone backwards he's yeah. gone he, he started like that when he was at Middlesbrough and when yeah. he was there he, Middlesbrough, he, had, he just used to run to the then touch he had line. a very good season before mm. uh Raul Jimenez got injured yeah and they were great together and he, he had end product and he looked yeah. really good so you you could see him doing that with Kane but then this season he's gone back he looks to, to have all the attributes Physically and yeah. you know with a pace and with a power, I can but you're see right. But sometimes, sometimes technically, yeah. I mean, just, never, you know, you wonder about his final ball and the well, final end product. The, from yeah, him. the end product. But I mean, Tottenham have got loads of players who can run quickly and fall over their own feet. I mean, we don't need any more of those. No. As we showed yesterday, we got loads of them. <laughs> we got about eight of them. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens next. I mean, how damaging was that? I mean, for for uh, Newcastle. I mean, it was great for Cambridge, but. I mean, it wouldn't have hurt Did Max Eddie. mention it on his show yesterday? I, I, I think in passing. I think in passing <laughs> he mentioned it. But, uh, I mean... A, a shout-out look... from Jeff Stelling. Did you see that? Sorry? Jeff oh, Stelling during, during the thing. Oh, nice one. He's, he started saying, Max Russian, are we... I can hear him shouting from Australia. Dancing in the streets <laughs> of Melbourne. Him <laughs> um, so, and Djokovic. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have hurt, would it, to get a victory there? You know Newcastle, you know, obviously well-documented, so many years about a trophy... This has been one you're looking at with the new owners coming in, uh, displayed up, you know, give Trippier his debut, and you're thinking it's all set up here and for Newcastle to go and win it. And they're, they're creating enough chances to have won it. Mm. There's no sort of mm. lack of desire, if you yeah, want, or, or you lack of earlier, effort. You know, about confidence. And it, they've got no shot. momentum there at the moment. They've got no confidence. <clears throat> um, I heard sort of someone say on, on one of the news items about players looking frightened, the fact there was a big house there, a lot of expectation. I mean, there couldn't have been more of an atmosphere there if they'd have been playing Sunderland or or Liverpool. They, they was absolutely sort of they treated sort of Cambridge with the utmost respect. That you know, everyone was sort of getting behind it, and hope they were looking for this to kickstart their season and maybe a new era, new era in the club. Yeah. And yet, once again, they, you know, that's delayed. If you like the shot of when it went to uh, the, the owners and Amanda Staley and and sitting in the directors, what the three of them. Was just such a classic Newcastle shot, wasn't it? There, I'm sure they make them director seats so big because every time they show a director or an owner at Newcastle in recent years, they seem to be sinking into the seat, don't they? You can, do, you know, when the grounds open up, you expect them to go down like uh, Mick Fleetwood. Oh, <laughs> 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 um, no, Rick Wakeman, sorry, not yeah, Mick Fleetwood. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. sorry there. Um, yes, Liverpool again. They were one 0 down. We were all sitting there watching the game at Tottenham. Blimey, Shrewsbury scored, and even Steve Cottrell, the manager, said we had them worried for seven minutes. That was, but, that was the a mixture of kind of. Again, even the team that didn't win or ultimately go on to win, they had some great moments. Like yeah. what you're saying, Chesterfield scoring at Chelsea. Sure, they went mad. They loved um, it. They all yeah. got in against Crystal Palace, things like that. And okay, they didn't go on to win, but at least they gave their fans some great moments yeah. and a, a great moment this weekend. And I think that. Yeah, we've almost got the FA Cup a little bit back to what it was. I'm not. I know you mentioned you, you enjoyed the draw. I, I don't know if you meant the actual uh, event or the draw. I thought the draw itself after was was pretty disappointing. There's mm. no sort of real killer ties there. Yeah. You've got West Kidderminster, West Ham, oh, which is probably. Yeah, was, yeah, but yeah. I think the actual ties themselves almost All a bit the big deflating. Boys basically avoided each other. Yeah, and you can see them going through. And as I said we could end up with, and you know, by the time we get to the last sixteen, almost an all. 
Premier League lineup, if you like. Yeah, I mean, oddity in the Newcastle game that the goalkeeper wore yellow mm. and I'll Cambridge wear yellow. It was really odd. odd that. I know it was a different shade of yellow, but it's <laughs> yeah, a it was strange. Thing, I thought that as well. There are people who get very, you know, well, people who are colour blind, for example. Especially yeah, if you're in a game problem. now where there was VAR as well. So what happens if he's got, you know, yeah. a yellow leg or whatever with the keepers and you know, yeah, could be the biggest, nice. uh, the biggest line when they bring out the line, the biggest uh, offside ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the stories today, we're going, to, we're going to touch on sort of Euro transfers in a minute, but a story I'm finding hard to believe, um, though here it is in black and white from old friend Luke Edwards, is that Newcastle are um, interested in signing Chris Wood of Burnley. And uh, why, why would, would Burnley? Burn, why would do Burnley that? sell? And they find themselves down in that situation, and he's a good source of gold. Why would they sell to Newcastle? He's one of their Burnley's few sources of gold. Let's yeah. have it right, and they're not banging them in left, right, and centre. They need all the help they can get going forward. You'd have thought that Burnley would have been looking to increase their squad, not sort of dis- dismantle it even further. Yeah. I really think if that happens and he, he goes there, that's a real coup for Newcastle because they've damaged one of their re- uh, relegation rivals yeah. as well as, as signing a striker who you would back to, he could get you a few goals be- before now and the end of the season. Also, Newcastle for the defender would have got already the chant there, wouldn't they? I hope they come out you know, Batman. <laughs> yeah, oh yes, Batman. That'll yeah. be the song. That'll be the song. When they get, I'd like <laughs> yeah, to think it true. will be. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and it's Jack Butler. Now, this is over Christmas. I didn't realise he'd gone to Palace. I wondered what yeah, happened. He played to. against the, in the Tottenham game. That wasn't great, was it? What you did against your lot. We saw a lot of it at the weekend, and you see a lot of it in the Premier League, certainly. And even clubs are lower. You understand some of the Premier League clubs doing it because they've got players that do it. But all this collecting, and Tottenham do it regularly, collecting the ball yeah. off the keeper inside the box in line with a six yard box. Yeah. Yeah. Only to get pressed, give it back to the keeper, who ends up lumping it forward anyway. So why not do yeah, that yeah, yeah. in the first place? And it catches so many clubs out. But like I say, some of the Premier League clubs doing it, you can understand they've got a way of playing and they want to stick to that sort of ideology of playing. But when you see clubs in you know lower, lower end of the Championship, League One and League Two, who really haven't got the ability to dribble out and play out from the back and still trying to do it and still persevere with doing it and how many times they get caught well it cost Swindon a goal the second goal the Gabriel yeah. Jesus goal cost him a goal on, on Friday night didn't it really you know, through that but the, the manager said look mm, that's mm. the way we like to play that's our football we're, we'll, we'll go toe to toe with City which was bold but I suppose the result tells you, you yeah that, that, that wasn't a bad game to kick it off with yeah, either at least they gave it a go and mm. again like, City don't show their respect to the competition as well, like they they do, and you wonder, no, if they're doing it, like the champions, then everyone else should follow. So yeah, I thought a nice bit of spirit. I mean, Brentford, they're a very together club, and I thought that was nice by Ivan Tony to let Mbuemo <coughs> take the penalty because mm. you know strikers like to score, and he's a brilliant penalty taker, Ivan Tony. But it was a chance for the hat trick. I know they were ahead, but he didn't have to do that. I could think of a lot of strikers that yeah. wouldn't do that. Would say, no, I'm taking it. it's my goal, you know. So and, and that'll yeah, that'll make their relationship even stronger going forward as well. Yeah. Good. Paul, lovely to see you as always. Thanks Thank for you. coming in. And uh, commiserations, your team not making it oh, through. Because of training on the league, don't worry. Yeah, of course you are. Of course <laughs> you are. The and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Nice. A bit of cello, Andy. Yeah. Not so bad, is it? That's Jason Cundy on the cello. Tremendous. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, Andy Townsend on piano. They just knocked that out for us in Chris <laughs> Evans' studio just down there. They're up at four o'clock, and I'm sure mm. they'll be happy to give you more uh, cello and piano. Of course not. Um, <laughs> that that ties into the FA Cup this weekend. Because <clears throat> uh, Tello Ask, uh, Asgard, no, that was close, um, <laughs> who plays for Wigan, <laughs> um, his dad is one of the world's leading cellists, Jonathan. That is his was dad. This, was this him at the stadium playing? No, I don't think he played on the pitch, but <laughs> Foot, he did score. At, he did score at the weekend for Wigan, but a nice time. I think he was <clears> former <throat> Liverpool player. His dad is in the Liverpool Philharmonic. Yeah. And this is him with Ian Buckle, not Paul, but Ian Buckle uh, on the piano. So there we are. A little bit, little bit of culture. in line of duty? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Buckles. I don't think so. Different one, Andy. Okay, right. Um, so there we are. A bit of culture. And yeah, Andy Townsend uh, will... 
Oh, blimey, all right, we get the idea. <laughs> get the idea um, there. <laughs> too much of a good thing. Uh, yeah. Jason and Andy will be here. I mean, you mm. want to leave this in as, to sort of bubble under over the remaining. Yeah, nice. Yeah, Andy can read some letters from the star and do a few <laughs> gags for us and rail against people. <laughs> and we can have a little bit of light, ch- nice bit of cello under it. That's okay. lovely, yeah, why yeah. not? Uh, did you see this uh, New Zealand batsman Will Young scored seven off one ball? Yeah. His greatest achievement since X Factor, but uh, yeah. pop idol Rob. The, uh, it, but it was an amazing thing because the bloke came in to bowl to him. Yeah. He was dropped by the slip field. The, the ball... cello's got quite dramatic as you're telling this story, <laughs> so right. keep going, yeah. The ball goes to the boundary, fellow runs after it, he throws at the non-striker's end, the bowler misses it, and it, he has to run to the boundary wow. to try and get it, and he goes for four overthrows. It was an incredible bit of... I've never seen that before, a seven off one ball. The music worked, didn't it? It yeah, worked with that story as it got quite and, uh, excited. And I thought what you're going to say that the sledge you're going to have for Will is mm. you better leave right now, isn't it? That's all you're ever going to say to him when he's out there batting. And uh, if you yeah. want to know and how... And you're not a fan of uh, Will's back catalogue. No, I'm not really. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm moving on to the next bit. Now. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> how the papers work. This is fascinating, actually, because yeah. I was reading Sunday Times magazine yesterday, Peter Crouch. Crouch, the life, yeah, yeah, yeah. Down the life of Peter Crouch. Mm. And this is what he said. He said... Uh, me and Abby get uh, will eat early with the kids and get into bed by eight. Then we're both quite partial to a glass of wine. The second bottle we usually crack open about nine-ish, the third bottle at ten-ish. Not really. Most of the time, as soon as the kids are in bed, we'll go to bed ourselves and watch TV. Yeah. In the sun this morning. Football ace Peter Crouch admits he often downs three bottles of wine a night with his wife, Abby. He didn't say that! For goodness sake, he's irresponsible. And the now music, the music go peaked. The music peaked just And it's going to go around. People, people will be walking around and saying, oh, that Peter Crouch got a bit of a drink from you. He drinks three bottles of wine a night, you know. He doesn't. The little crescendo on Ian Buckle's piano playing there really gave a lift to your payoff, your angry payoff of the, of the Peter well, Crouch not, story. It's not right. Right. And uh, and then there was an interesting one in the Mail on Sunday yesterday yeah. where uh, they were reporting on this uh, new... This woman who's left ITN and joined the BBC as head of news. Yes. And uh, it says, when she left ITV News in 2013 to join NBC, becoming the first female president of a US network, she held her leaving due at Mayfair's Embassy Nightclub, a favourite of celebrities including model Katie Price and former England footballer John Terry. So they're trying to make out that this new head of news at BBC is somehow friendly with Katie Price and John yeah, Terry. Yeah, maybe she'll get a job in the dugout with John when he goes into <laughs> management. Brilliant, quite possibly. Yeah, what can you nice. do? There you so I think we'll call it a day on the cello, shall we? Shall we well, just, it's just probably bring, we'll bring the cello out. More news of Romeo Beckham. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it's just, <laughs> you told us last week, Andy, got a boot deal with yes. him to Miami. Always he's with Puma. With Puma. And he's on the books there. Yeah, it says um, he's negotiated a £1.2 million modelling deal with sportswear firm Puma mm. and is fast becoming a future football superstar. No, he isn't. Makes <laughs> for Inter Milan, Inter Miami, Bush, he yeah. played for Inter Milan, yeah. Inter Miami reserves. Wow. If he was going to be any good, he would have been... Well, everybody's got to start somewhere, Andy. Well, he's a, yeah, I think he would have started already with a, you know, with a Premier League academy. I don't think he'd be uh, his dad's club's reserve team. Oh, okay. Personally, oh, fair but, enough. Um, I knows? saw some footage the other day of um, of Zlatan Ibrahimovic um, oh, yeah. putting his foot through a basically a, a, a yoga ball. He's, he's hitting a yoga ball like it's a football. It must be some yeah. sort of training What's exercise. A yoga ball? Well, you know, it's the sort of thing, the sort of things you lie on. Oh, things, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Exercise ball. It looks yeah. like a space hopper without the, yeah, yeah, not sure. orange, yeah. and without the handles. Mm. But um, it would be a good way to maybe liven up the Papa John's, wouldn't it? That if <laughs> they just played with one of those in a game. I think mean, it would be well, a great leveller. Yeah, it would be. Just a, you know, I thought the, you meant Papa John's the pizza place. Oh, okay. I think that would really work. Just, that would. But I mean, just as a football tournament, that, maybe <laughs> Is that ex- what it's called? Maybe an extra time. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe yeah. an extra time they play with a much larger ball. The ball gets well, increasingly it's, larger. It's very, and very it's thrown on, fired out through a cannon. That's okay, a good idea. Well, it's not, is it? It's a well, quite it's a terrib- idea. It's quite a terrible idea. <laughs> and we're going to talk about right. We're going to talk about righty later on. Yeah. Um, did you see that um, his grandson uh, played? Did you see Dimaggio, right, Phillips? There were three grandsons. I think I was listening Fantastic. on breakfast this morning. I think yeah. they were talking about this. It oh, turned right. out, and uh, so what? Another generation of, uh, mm. of rights coming through. It's impressive, isn't it? Amazing. It is.
And uh, a fabulous offer for Reader's Trousers in one of the Sunday's papers okay, yesterday. Okay, yeah, yeah. Do love the uh, offers, Reader's Trousers. Was that a magazine, Reader's Trousers? <laughs> sure, I, I'm, I subscribed sure, to it. Sure, I found one in, in a hedge once <laughs> when I was doing my paper round. <laughs> Not one, but... Swiss ball, that's what they're oh, called. Oh, Swiss Not ball, that's, that's correct. Well done, well Crackers. Done. Well done, Crackers. He's a man, obviously, that... Uses yeah, he plays ball. his players... Well, plays a lot of fo- Plays a lot of football with a Swiss ball. That's what it is, yeah, that's what... <laughs> Not one, but two pairs of fabulous trousers at a cracking low price. Price, not price. <laughs> Just £14 a pair. Yeah. And I love the sort of quality. He said, you'll find each pair to be flawlessly tailored. Yeah. Oh, I was hoping with holes in it and the stitching dropping Beautiful. out. Beautiful. Well, from, I'd expect flawless tailoring <laughs> for fourteen ninety nine, wouldn't you? From premium polyester. Oh, Is fantastic. that such a thing? Yeah, <laughs> I think it is. What's the, what's the low-grade like, polyester? Like Del Boy's old English vinyl briefcases he sold It's back renowned in the day. for its lasting qualities and smart look. And it's yeah. not as renowned for looking quite shiny. You'd look good in premium polyester. I'll tell you what you should bring back, Andy, as a bit of a star okay, counselor, yeah. and it would take off, yeah. is the safari suit. And quite yes. possibly the short sleeve version. So next summer, yes, be nice if you could come into the office in the in the Chelsea colours. <laughs> we could do them in club colours, Andy. Yeah. This is a little sideline for me and you. Okay, short sleeve safari suits in the club colours with a the club crest idea. on yeah. one of the breast pockets. I'll do international ones for the World Cup. That would work in in out in. That Dover. would be nice. We'd have uh, epaulets. I like an epaulet always looks good on a man. So we'll have those in contrasting colours. Well, just so in, in talk sport, we can all wear them. Well, yeah, it the would moose, be. Com- I could see the moose about, in a talk sport safari it's suit. About, it's about time we did have a company uniform. That would be good. So, well, moose, where's it? He's got the company uniform. Black with the yellow flashings. Yeah. And we'll all wear them I think for it's work. That's a very good idea. We'll all wear them for I work. I like it. And uh, Big but, Alan, he'd look great in a safari suit. <laughs> he probably he'd look, would. He'd look sensational. Are you aware that Vera star Brenda Blethyn, the fine actor, yeah. Or actor. No, actor, yeah, yeah, actor, yeah. yeah. yeah that's yeah. right, yeah. Um, Keep up, Andy. I know, sorry. It's 2022. I'm... That's right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Don't have to say actress now, are you? No, well, you, well, apparently not. Not not if you say it in that way, no. no but never yeah. mind. Fine actor Brenda Blethyn yeah. has got football skills. Has she really? Her co-star Kenny Doughty revealed we had to pull up outside a house and mum was there and her little boy was playing football in the street. The idea was that the child could kick the football to me and I'd kick it back, but I wasn't very good, so Brenda said she'd do it. Like a pro, the child wedded the ball to her and Brenda trapped it right in position all in one take. That's good. So she took it down and volleyed it back, did she? I'd have her over Matt Doherty at left wing back. (laughs) I've got to be honest, Vera at the moment. She did a Rabona later. Quite a bit of make that swap. Wasn't that the shock of that Mm. coming through? Alex Crook coming on, we have the breaking news stab and say Tottenham have uh, done a swap deal with Vera. <laughs> so from Matt goes off to play Vera and uh, she plays left wing back for us. Oh three seven one seven Tottenham fans. I know you're all going to say yes, especially and, after uh, yesterday. I've got a hole in one story for you. Good, OK, go Here on. Here we then. go. Uh, the uh, two pairs, didn't say who they are, two pairs bagged holes in one on the same hole at Normanton Golf Club, West York's beating odds of 17 million to one. Now, I'm not saying they did this at all, but what is to stop two people who are playing golf sort of saying that they did it? Nobody could prove it, would they? I mean, you know, we wouldn't normally be... There's no cameras just, at Normanton just, Golf Club. They just that's today's podcast. There's no cameras at Normanton Golf Club. I think we'll call it that. But they're just cheating themselves, aren't they? Well, they really? would be, but you know, you, know you, like, you can't live a lie like that, Andy. And the fact you even thought of it means you might have considered it back in the day. Just concentrate on getting that, those okay, safari suits in in the premium Fine. polyester. I think fourteen ninety nine. The talk sport, yeah. the talk sport shop. That's how we are. Bobble hats, mugs, safari and, suits, and short sleeve safari suits in the club colours. I like the idea. Anyway. Anyway, okay. um, we're going to return to the magic of the FA Cup very shortly. Adrian Clifton scored for Boreham Wood at the weekend, coming off the bench. Nice little finish. But he has quite the story to tell, former Arsenal player. And um, and he points out that Ian Wright had a huge say in, in a great turnaround uh, in his life. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Yes, we chatted uh, to Paul Jiggins earlier on saying what a fantastic third round it oh, was, yeah. really. It was lots dream. of great goals, lots of great stories. And uh, among them was uh, this one in the Borehamwood game against uh, AFC Wimbledon. 2-0 win uh, for Borehamwood. Adrian Clifton came off the bench uh, to uh, grab uh, the uh, second. They, they now um, head to Bournemouth in, in the uh, fourth round. I'm very pleased to say Adrian mm. joins us now. Good afternoon, Adrian. Oh, hi. Oh. oh, we are struggling a bit with the line. Adrian, hello. Great line. Hello, can you hear me? Oh, we oh, got we you now. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll soldier on. So, well, look, congratulations. Um, and uh, you must have been chuffed to come off uh, the bench and score. Um, yeah, buzzing, buzzing to come off the bench and score. Um, I, I weren't on the pitch long either. The boys, um, the boys set out for me to come on and get the goal. Um, Jacob Mendy done individual brilliance out on the out wide. And um, gambled near post, managed to get a touch. I actually thought it was an old goal at first, but um, realised that I got a touch and got the goal. I was, I was very happy. Yeah. yeah, it was your second touch of the game, wasn't it? And uh, presumably, I mean, you featured on Match of the Day. You must have watched it, didn't you? Yeah, I'll see it after. Um, I didn't, I didn't see it until I went home actually, and um, I see it was quite a good finish, one to be proud of. Yeah, and your uh, fellow striker Tyrone Walker, he scored a nice goal as well, didn't he? Yeah, Tyrone Marsh. Yeah, I say to him all the time because he, he hits the ball, he hits the ball beautifully. Yeah. Have you seen a finish? He just knuckles it into the corner. I was buzzing for him. Did you feel pretty confident? I mean, you've been going pretty well, haven't you, as, uh, in the league? So you do feel quite confident going into this game as a team. Um, yeah, we did feel confident to be honest. Um, the gaffer Luke Garrard prepped us well during the week, and um, he just kept putting a message across to us that we're going to win the game. That we really believe we can win it. They're they're quite a young side. Um, I think they've got the youngest team in the AFL, actually, and we've got the oldest team in the National League. So with that experience, um, we thought we could get through it and win. And if you see the game, I thought we made a great account of ourselves and it played the game and it was, it was very good for the win. Now, it was the kind mm. of goal, and run and goal, that Wrighty would have been uh, would, would have been proud of. And he's mm. played a big part in, in your life, hasn't he? Yeah, he has to be fair to him. He has, um, as he would know, and a lot of people know, um, we've done a... Um, he entered my life at, I think I was 19, and I was in prison at the time in um, HMP Portland. And he'd done a, a um, football program called Football Behind Bars. I'm not sure if you're aware of it. Yeah. And, um, and basically, it was like that was a turning point in my life, meeting him. He was my Arsenal hero before Thierry Henry. He's actually someone that got me into football. And um, to meet him and to, be, like, to have someone like that believe in you and tell you you've got what it takes, not just only in football, but as a character, as a person, done a lot for my life. And, um, how, I don't know, 12 years later, 13 years later, I'm, I'm here scoring goals in the FA Cup. So, yeah. yeah, very proud. So it was that sort of influence. Mm-hmm. He, gave, he gave you the confidence to when you when you came out to get to get back into the game. Yeah, massively, massively. I mean, um, at that time of my life, I wasn't really coming across, I'd say, like normal citizens, if you like. Everyone that was in my life was sort of into the sort of things I was into. So like you get lost in a world, you get lost in that world, mm. and then um, all the meeting people like the camera crew, Ian himself, meeting people from the outside world, and getting along with them, you start to realise that they start they they make you remember the person you are rather than who you've become, mm. 
And then because the one thing with boys going through that, they, they don't feel that they can be normal. They feel alienated to that world. So interacting with them sort of people definitely helped to give me the self-confidence to basically say and to say that like, I'm done with this. Mm. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's he's really a, he's good. a good man. Right? Do, you, do you do mentoring yourself now then? Um, at, at, at the moment, that's something I'm looking at getting into. Um, there's some talks of a, a documentary, documented my journey, because we feel like it can, it will help a lot of young boys that are in football and also ones that ain't in football um, see that basically how you're living now, you can change. And um, that's something I want to get into, mentoring, coaching even. And um, I feel like I've, I need, for the young offenders, all the boys out there that are, because a lot of people play football. Everyone mm. plays football with their friends. So I think we can touch a very big audience in terms of the young kids. And it's definitely something I want to go into uh, out of football. I'm 33 now, so I'm getting on a bit. <laughs> so I start thinking about after football. Yeah, sure. You you were you were Arsenal as a kid, weren't you, Adrian? So, I mean, was it being released that that kind of set you on that that path that ultimately led you to to end up inside? Oh yeah, I know. Sometimes it, it sounds cliche, um, but it really was the catalyst because it really was the catalyst to me going down that road. Um, I signed for Arsenal when I was eleven. I was captain. I was captain every year until I got released, and it was like I thought I was going to go on and play for Arsenal which didn't happen, unfortunately. But when I got released from Arsenal, that rejection, that failure, just made me, didn't, didn't feel good about myself. And sometimes there, there wasn't much football on TV. So we only had match of the day. So I didn't even know about championship teams, League One, League Two, and all that sort of stuff. So I thought, if it's not Arsenal, then it's no one. And um, being from the area I was from, I was always kind of vulnerable to the gang culture and stuff, like growing up in Hackney. And unfortunately... At the time, that's the road I went down. And I stopped playing football for five years and was in and out of prison. Mm. And then, again, like I mentioned earlier, at um, 19, um, i done that prison program, and that was a turning point for me. So I know what it's like to have someone you look up to, someone doing things with themselves, to have that sort of belief in you, have that sort of belief, and I know what it can do for, for a young kid. So I'd love, I'd love to give back. I'd love to help um, young people like that. Yeah, and you played sure a bit of international football, haven't you, for months around? That must be quite fun. Um, yeah, that's that's very fun. Um, getting called up for your country um, is the greatest honour in football, really. Um, we are a small island, but it doesn't change what it actually means. And um, I've managed to score some goals in the um, World Cup qualifiers, actually. So it's been it's been a crazy journey from going from being released from Arsenal, in and out of prison for five years, to then coming out, turning my life around, getting to play international football, professional football. It's it's been a it's been a it's been a roller coaster, I must say. Yeah. And you had uh, Ted Lasso uh, at the game yesterday. I don't know if you guys got to meet him afterwards. Jason Sudeikis, the actor. No, I did not. I didn't oh. get to I didn't get to see him. I saw I saw a picture of him on Twitter, mm. and I was like, oh well, he was there. <laughs> what What about the moose? He's because well, this is the trouble. This is the trouble. Boring would get him through as it's his local team. Means the moose is going to be bothering you down at the training ground. They're only in Abrams. Yeah, that's that's. The, I'd love that. Listen to moose all the time. Love him. Very opinionated. Um, <laughs> if he does come down, I'd love to meet him. You have to get him. We have to do one of those. We get him in goal. You can fire a few shots at the moves. He's been in goal a few times in our in our work. That's game. a good idea. So it's it's Bournemouth, Bournemouth next, uh, Adrian. Next round. Yeah, Bournemouth next. What a tie that is for the club, for the chairman, for the fans, and for the players. They're flying top of the championship at the moment. A lot of their players, of course, I know most of their players. I've watched them growing up. Watched them over the years. Um, it's going to be a special occasion. It's going to be a special occasion. Um, I'm going to have a lot of people coming from my area, from my life, coming up to support us. It's going to be a big day out. Nice one. Well, look, we're pleased to see you turn your yeah, life around well and, and it culminated. And it's good to talk to you, Adrian. All the best. Thank you very much. There we are, this uh, Adrian Clifton there. Uh, scorer for Boreham Wood. Something Great I noticed, story. I kept seeing Boreham Wood written as two words. Yeah. Um, well, it's not, wood. It's, it's not two words. It's, it's, Is it it's, one word? Well... Apart from the football club and the golf club, um, yeah. uh, I think they're the only two things that, that are two words. They've gone trad. Because it used to be two words. Right. And then it became one word. I think the local pla- paper's one word. All the street oh, yeah, signs, word, all right. the street signs yeah. around the area 
a one word. Yeah. But I think like the, you know, the local sort of sporting places are the sort of outliers. So they, I don't know any more than that. Well, it's very interesting. But, um, but well, well, I mean, <laughs> you say interesting, you know, well, you Trevor know. would say we'd have interesting. Not that interesting, it's just, <laughs> it's just a fact. So um, here we go again. We're going to say it again. The Turkish Simon Cow. Um, he's getting ever closer to taking over whole city. He's been telling his viewers over there. He sees similarities between Istanbul <clears throat> and Hull. Really? I don't know if Simon Jordan does. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hawksby and Andy Jacobs uh, here on Talk Sport. Uh, here we go, you say. Interesting. Sam's in Liverpool, but he brings a bit of uh, knowledge to it. Borenwood was originally two separate words, but they couldn't fit it on the local train station, so they took out the space, leaving it as one word, which the rest of the town later adopted. Oh, very interesting. A bit QI, that, Sam. Is yeah, that true? Very much, yeah. I've got, well, there we are. There may be more to it than that, or Sam may mm. be on the money, but uh, there we are. It's two words when it comes to the football team. Marvellous. Yes. Um, uh, anything else you want to share with us, oh, Andy? I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, oh. this is an interesting thing. That, uh, I was reading about this TikTok star who's become very huge, got a record deal. Yeah. What she did to get big, she followed a thousand people an hour. Wow. And and a small, obviously, percentage of them followed her back, and eventually yeah. she built a huge presence. That's the way you should do it, I, Andy. Can you imagine how dedicated you've got to be to spend yeah. an hour following a thousand people? That's quite hard work. Well, you know, <laughs> well, yeah, I not, wouldn't do not it. Not down the mines, is it? No, no. It's all, it's all relative. <laughs> what well, constitutes that's true? Oh, the humanity. What <laughs> constitutes hard work these days? She should you have get done on what, there, Andy. She should have done what Ian Abrams is. Just Buy a few. Oh, well, that's a scurrilous rumour. <laughs> um, you should get yourself on there. We can shift a few of those safari suits, Andy. I think we're, we're very much that's a in, good idea, yeah. We need to be doing that. Um, Villa, um, mm. the, the Luca Dean deal could be uh, edging ever closer, so we'll keep an eye on that. Also, uh, Basuma, Eve Basuma from Brighton, apparently good showing player. an interest oh, in. Like yeah. Definitely he's got 18 player. months on his contract, apparently. Yeah, they want 50 million from this, too much. I yeah. mean, he's a good player, and I think he can play, definitely. Mm. At the highest level, but uh, you know, I don't yeah. think they'll get that for him. He's at the Cup of Nations at the moment, of course, isn't he? With Marley. So, anyway, yeah, I'm sure lots of transfer news at talksport.com. Uh, we have our ticker there bringing you all the latest transfer stories and rumours and done deals, etc. But, um, Hull fans, um, mm. are, will be hoping that uh, takeover is imminent. The latest word from the local newspaper is it, uh, the Hull City takeover is in the hands of the EFL as the Alam family uh, and the new prospective owner have apparently signed off the deal. So they'll be doing the fit and proper persons or whatever they call it these days. And he sounds like a very interesting character. Mm. Um, it's uh, Akun Ilikali, um, and uh, he is the Turkish Simon Cow. Don't think I can say that any more this afternoon uh, than I have already. Um, let's find out more about him. Um, John McManus is an author and Turkish football expert and joins us now from Turkey. Good afternoon, John. Afternoon, chaps. Yeah, it's a, it's a useful little tag to to hang on him, but uh, is it a fair representation? Is he really? <laughs> no, he's Look, the Turkish Louis Walsh. Yeah, looking looking at his pictures on uh, on his Wikipedia, he's even wearing the cow outfit of the the, the plain black V neck t shirt. Well, yes, I mean it's it's not a million miles away, but uh, so like um, what happened? Like this guy started life as a humble sports reporter and then like a lifestyle interviewer but then has risen to become a media mogul. So I want, maybe it's a bit different to Cal. He was always in front of the camera, you see. So I don't know, like maybe more like an Anton Deck kind of person. I don't know. Uh, can you describe them as media moguls nowadays? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, they've got their own Good. production company and all so, that. Yeah. Yeah, well, they, maybe, so yeah. has he been involved in football before? Is he involved in football in Turkey? Yeah, so he's a massive football fan like many Turks are. Um, I mean, he's not been involved like owning a club before, but he's a huge Fenerbahce fan and is, uh, you know, pictured with the with the chairman there and uh, goes to a lot of their games. So he's st certainly no stranger to sport but certain, and football, but he is as an owner. Is he very rich? I'm sure the whole fans will be interested in how much money he's got potentially spend on players. Yes and no. I mean, uh, yes, by Turkish standards he is, but then like uh, like Turkish uh, people, uh, wealth owners are not quite in the same league as like the golf monarchies or whatnot. Um, I mean, it sounds as if he bought the club for like between 20 to 30 million. So um, that gives you some idea. 
And I, I read some news stories that he's looking at bringing in a couple of players for like four or five million. I uh, don't know if that's true or not. Um, so I don't know. I think that, he'll, you know, hopefully uh, he'll bring new life to the hole, which I think the fans have really yeah. been ga- desperate for for a while. He says, it's interesting, he said he sees similarities between the cities uh, um, with, he says, Istanbul, and he sees a bit of Istanbul in, really? in Hull. In the major city of the world, Well, Istanbul. I mean, it, it, I, mean I, I think no disrespect he, to Hull. He's playing to the gallery. I think, you know, he talks about the importance of the river, you know, the Humber mm. and the Bosphorus and all that. So he's he's kind of buying into, you know, I can, you can understand all that, I would imagine. Well, quite. I mean, you can tell that he's um, he's someone who spent a good few decades in front of the camera with kind of like lines like that, isn't it? Mm. He said, uh, yeah, uh, he said that Hull looks like Istanbul, um, which I think is a stretch. Like, no, I really don't want to receive any hate mail from, from... I've been to Hull and I had a great time, but it's not really comparable to like a capital of three empires, city of 15 million. No, no, you've been to Hull and back. Well, uh, there we, there we are, of course. I, uh, of course, Hull are one of my teams. I mean, my dad was born in Hull, my grandfather was born in Hull, so I'm, you know, I'm delighted. That's your second team, is it? Well, not my second team, one of my teams. Oh, OK. How many teams you got, then? Well, T- uh, Talk us through your teams. Chelsea's Chelsea, number one. Who else? Brentford. Yeah. Hull. Yeah. I think that's it. That's about it. It's yeah, okay. Fair enough. It. It's a fairly select, <laughs> fairly select one of my team, my third favourite team. Well, so has this got a fair bit of press over in Turkey, John? Well, yes. Um, people in Turkey love when uh, like Turkish players abroad. They follow them very keenly, and people that uh, interested me. Um, he told people live on his show on New Year's Eve that he bought Hull and he told them he told them to follow the Instagram account and in the space of hours like the number of followers almost doubled um, and he says that he wants the team to be one that everyone in Turkey will support I mean wh- whether that will happen or not we'll wait to see but certainly there's been like huge interest in Turkey and Hull City overnight which is quite amusing. Yeah, they did well on the weekend as well. They were unlucky. They, they, they were against Everton. Everton. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the outgoing owners were, are not particularly popular with the fans, of course, and there was a few fundamentals they wanted to change, including the club name at one point. But uh, it was interesting, uh, Ilikali was saying, he loves the kit, he loves the colours. They're, you know, they're so important. So it doesn't sound like he's going to come in and start messing with the traditions of the club. Well, I mean, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? But, I mean, it, like, why, why did he buy it? I mean, kind of the same reason that so many foreigners want a piece of English football which is just like the prestige and, and the history and, and, and you know like England is seen as the seat of all of that so um, given that background given he said that you'd think that you'd, or you'd hope that you wouldn't change it too much yeah, he buys up. He gets he gets the the Turkish take on formats, Andy. Like he did <laughs> Turkish deal or no deal, Turkish Master Chef, a Turkish uh, Turkey's Got Talent. He was behind that. Really, Turkey's the Voice. I think he's and say some of these he's starred in as well. He's he's fronted as well as made. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, t- don't forget Turkish Survivor. Turkish um, Survivor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's very much. Um, that's what I mean about the Simon Cowell comparison. Mm. Not like not that accurate. That's why I prefer Anton Depp, even though granted that's two people rather than one. But um, because he himself is is a bit of a star and and has acted a bit and you know fronted up a lot of these um, shows of his. Uh, so yeah, clearly he's doing it for the for the limelight in a way. Um, but you know that. I think that's probably true of all owners of football clubs, right? Turkish first dates with real dates, apparently. (laughs) It was a different show. It was basically people having their first ever date. That's it, yeah. Um, He he dipped his toe in the water, I read on his Wikipedia, with Fortuna Sittard in in Holland. He, Mm. he, he, He did a partnership with them, but I think that was with a view to... To getting into English football, which is what he said was was his uh, dream, and uh, he collects speedboats. So you know know a lot about him. Well, well, no, I don't. Wikipedia does. I just happen to be reading it out loud. But he's a speedboat collector. He's he collects speedboats, sports cars, and motorcycles. So you can see him bombing around Hull, Mm. up and down number on his uh, in his speedboat, in his sports cars, and he's involved in esports. We understand, Joe. So maybe there'll be a kind of whole city esports team because that's that's a very big deal these days. Yeah, it's very lucrative. They also um, on his uh, on his. Um, show they composed a song like a club anthem for Hull City back in November. 
So, uh, so there we go. So also perhaps he'll be bringing to the terraces some sort of like a sort of Turkish flavour, maybe. Okay. So this has been bubbling under for some time. Then, if he did that in November, do we know any of the words uh, to this uh, whole song? Uh, well, they on the show they sort of said that they were going to do it in English, but to be honest, to my ear, it didn't sound particularly. Englishy, uh, okay. it was mostly, mostly speaking Turkish, but anyway, uh, watch this space. You know, maybe if it does make it across, then I can come on and, and translate it for you. That will be good, fantastic. Mm. What rhymes with <laughs> Ken Wagstaff and Stuart Pearson? I wonder if he, he went into the real history of the club. <laughs> fantastic, <laughs> nice one. Thank you, John. Thanks for filling us in on that. You're welcome. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Well, there we are. That was this afternoon's show. We don't have stockers yet, but we will yeah. be getting... I'm going to get a tweed one made up for Cheltenham. That will look good. A tweed <laughs> short-sleeve safari suit, Andy. You'll look a million dollars. Charlie's alongside me tomorrow. Charlie Baker. Andy will be back on uh, Wednesday. Do hope you can join us from one. If not, the podcast will be available uh, at around uh, four o'clock. But for now, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.